um, we're beginning a new sermon series, which is super fun. I mean, it's that time of year. It's the Advent series. And this year, um, the title of our series is Jesus Is. And so we're going to take a walk through all the five different elements of what Advent is. And this is such a beautiful thing. Like, it's a way for us as a body of believers to stop and reflect you know, it feels like most of the year we're on fast forward and we're just going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, right? Sometimes it's happily running and sometimes it's survival mode, but the year's almost over and here we are. So we're going to pause for a moment and we're going to reflect back to a promise fulfilled. So let's do that. Our Advent series called Jesus Is, and this week we're talking about Jesus is our hope. I don't know about you all, but I know I particularly felt this topic very much walking in today. It's been a rough few weeks, um, rough couple months, and I felt it even in our own larger family here. And so hope is such a beautiful thing. I know often like what we feel is that we're in a season of Christmas, right? Like, you should be jolly, you should be happy, you should be joyful. But real talk, let's just take a second. Sometimes joy might be a stretch. But hope, hope is a little more gentle. Hope is that moment where you take just a moment to be still and take a breath. You know what that feels like? Just that breath. When someone opens a window and you just feel that breeze, that sunshine, whatever it is, that's what hope feels like. So when joy is a stretch, let's aim for hope. Because we are a body of believers that have joy. We have hope. So let's do that today. And Jesus is our hope. We will be in 1 Peter 1.3, Luke 1.26-38, and John 16.33. And I don't know what it is about Christmas. But every year I have to just stop and read the entire Christmas story. Well, I'm not doing that today. (laughs) But we are going to read a special portion that has to do with hope. And so if you want to bear with me, the words will be up on the screen for you. And I'll try to say them slow so that way we can kind of sit in that moment of reflection and all the amazing things that God did. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Pause. I don't know about you, 
But if an angel walked up to me and said those words, I'd probably be a little freaked out too. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to his son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The throne, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. For no word that comes from the Lord will ever fail. I have to repeat that one. That one's amazing. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. There's a lot of things in play right here, folks. A lot of things, and I can't cover all of them. But I do want to go back to those verses 36 and 37 for just a moment, if we could pause there. Elizabeth was an elder who had never been able to have child. And in that particular culture, it was really tough as a woman if you could not produce an heir. That was how you sought honor, is by continuing the family line. And so even, you can go back in the, in the scriptures and read it, but um, even as her husband was in the sanctuary lighting incense and doing his prayers, and the angel came to him and told him that Elizabeth was going to conceive and have a child, he laughed and scoffed and thought, how on earth are you going to do that? Right? which led to him, you know, having some consequences and not being able to speak until the day his son was born. And you can read the whole story. It's in there. Um, But he did not believe the word sent by God. So he had that punishment. But Elizabeth, Elizabeth knew that what God said was not going to fail. And here she is in her sixth month of pregnancy. What a testimony to her cousin, who much younger cousin, by the way. Mary was just a teenage girl. Let's be real. What a testimony to her that God's word isn't going to fail. So we can put the the picture of Mary up there. What an intimidating moment she must have been facing. But for some context here, for centuries, the world had waited for the promise of the Messiah. The one, one of God's faithful daughters was chosen to carry the promised king. The hope of the world was about to arrive. The hope of the world was about to arrive. And this is what we celebrate during Advent. 
the arrival of the promise that we had hoped for, and looking forward with hope towards the return of our Lord and Savior. The next one is just a picture that just simply says Advent. And the coming of God's Son to earth is an event with such immensity that God willed to prepare for it over centuries. I know that's hard for us. We have a tendency to like want things like right now. Instant gratification is how our culture has has went, that's the direction that we have gone. And if for some reason we get that little spiral scrolling on our screen, we are frustrated. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. I mean, Lord, please protect and bless our generation our next generation, our children, because <sighs> our geriatric millennials know the difference between pre-digital and post-digital. God bless our souls, but our children. Anyhow. For centuries, they had waited. And when the church celebrates Advent each year, we, pre we present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. By sharing the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, we renew our desire for his second coming. Amen. This is the season of wonder, when the hope we share is renewed with joy joyful expectation the hope we are to share with the world of longing around us. So let's take a quick look. We're going to shift over and go into um, the early church. And there's something special that ties what Peter's about to say to the early church to our Advent season. And I think it's super crucial. So we're going to go there. The early church wasn't a bunch of fancy buildings, but it was simply a community of people right? It was comprised of several believers who had either heard the good news of the Messiah through those who had witnessed it. They had been in Jerusalem for the celebration, the festival that was happening. Perhaps they experienced the miracle of what Pentecost was and everyone speaking in the different languages. And then they heard Peter's sermon that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those were some of the folks. And it's even possible, a few decades later is when Peter wrote this letter, but it's even possible that some of the folks that were receiving this letter may have actually encountered Jesus himself. So while we are a few decades removed from the actual events of his life, death, and resurrection, these folks still were in a present moment with the occasion. But life for the followers wasn't simple. Because in that culture, there was a few different things that made them stand out and not quite fit in with the rest of society. So the words resurrection. The fact that someone could die and then come back to life was kind of a taboo subject. That was not a thing. No one thought that was a thing. And so for these believers who had witnessed Christ rise from the dead and who had heard the testimony from others who had witnessed Christ rise from the dead and conquer death for us, this was quite a thing for them to be able to stand up and say. It made them quite a target. 
And I can't imagine what kind of life it would be. We have a little blessed here in America where we have the ability to worship. But I can't imagine being in the middle of a society saying all of these outrageous things and the kind of suffering and the kind of struggle that they had to deal with. These were the people of the early church. How is your faith? Have you had moments where your, test has, your faith has been tested? So for these folks, even some of them who witnessed some of these miracles were struggling. It was a hard life for the early church. And so that's the context that we stand in when we read what's coming up next. See, Peter was intimately involved in many of these churches. He either helped to plant them or he at some point in his missionary journey came along and encouraged them um, and helped with um, their building their theology and what the truth was about Christ. And so he knew the struggles that they were facing he was not immune to them either. He constantly was under attack as well. And so what are the words that he chooses to share with them? It's kind of neat. If we go to 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His first game plan to encourage these folks was to remind them. Remind them of the hope that we've been given through Christ. That was his first initial plan. And so there's some interesting things um, packed into just this one little verse. And the first one, new birth. A hope-filled life. Free from the punishment of sin and the bondage that sin had over us. That is the new birth that we're talking about. Resurrection from the dead actually has a couple of things packed into it. The first one is resurrection from death was not a popular concept. We talked about that. And in fact, the mention of it made people angry. The other portion was that Jesus did not stay in the grave. He overcame it. And this is the essential, portion, essential part of salvation, right? He couldn't just die. He had to overcome death. Yes. And that part of our salvation is so crucial. Yes. Jesus conquered death. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My notes are moving. Pattern me. <laughs> this new hope caused God's people, the believers in Christ as Messiah, believers who spread the news of Christ's resurrection, it caused them, and it's moving again, to praise God for the fulfillment of his promise. Praise God for trading eternal damnation for a hope-filled life through their salvation because of the Christ child. Amen. So for the early church who were suffering because their life and belief were so countercultural, for them being reminded of the hope that they were given, was Peter's first priority to remind them of that hope. I don't know about you, but sometimes when suffering happens, when, when the road has been long, we need that breath. We need that hope. Yes. 
the cool thing is we get to talk about what happens next because hope and encouragement are such a beautiful thing. But the cool thing is the story doesn't end there. And that's why we're here. That's why Advent is a thing. We look forward to what's about to happen next. And what is about to happen next? Jesus is coming back. Some great news that the early church looked forward to was hope-filled anticipation of Jesus' return. For them, it was a present certainty. And I think about that quite frequently. They did not doubt You know, the way that they thought about Christ's return, it was so cool because in their mind, they knew he was coming back. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month. But for them, it really didn't matter. I think that's one advantage that they had over us, if I'm being truly honest. I think for us, sometimes we get used to, oh yeah, he's coming back. But we don't look for his coming back with the same expectancy, the same joy-filled expectancy that they did. We'll have to pray on that. (laughs) Lord Jesus, help us. It makes me wonder, why don't we carry the same excitement? That's That's something that I think we could all use to sit and just process and pray about together. What does it look like for us to renew our hope, renew our expectancy? Because Jesus is coming back. Next, I want to turn you over to John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, life as believers, life as God's children, we weren't intended to have everything be perfect. You know, and today, even in service and leading up to service and everything else this week has been what I call perfectly imperfect. It may not have been perfect, but it glorified God. And we keep taking one step after another. No matter how frustrated we get. No matter how hard the road seems. But each and every step that we take in obedience is how we honor and praise God in the midst of. And we can do that because we have hope. You know, we talk about this a lot at funerals. We don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have hope. We have a reason to get up. We have a reason to take each and every step that we take. We live as a people of hope. When joy is too hard to reach, we have hope. There are so many things in this world that cause us to struggle. All it takes is a glance at the news. All it takes is a drive down the road. There are so many things that cause us to be disheartened, right? So many things. But if we're honest with ourselves, each and every moment that we see that, each and every moment that we feel that or hear that or watch it on the news should be a moment where we get on our knees. Or even if it's metaphorically, if we can't at the moment, we should be in a moment of prayer saying, Lord Jesus, The world is trouble. 
but you. Give us hope. And so I have some questions for you today. Do you carry hope with you? This holiday season, can you live in a hope-filled abundance? See, we can have hope because of what Christ has already done for us. And we can have hope as we look with joyful anticipation for his return. Lord Jesus, you could come today. Please come today. You can come today. We would enjoy your presence. You can just come right now, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You see, the world is watching. The world around us needs hope. How can we share hope with those around us? How can we share hope this season? There's so many needs out there. Now, obviously, we, can't, we cannot be the ones that fill every need. That is absolutely true. But each and every day, we have a path, right? We have places and people that we encounter every single day. So my challenge to you this week, as people start working on the hustle and bustle of what Christmas is, ask God for eyes. Ask God to show you folks that you can bring hope to. Whether that's a silent prayer, whether he's asking you to take a more courageous step and approach someone and share with them some hope or even just offer to pray for them for the day. Those moments that God gives us where he allows us to be those hands and feet are such beautiful moments. And you know what's truly a miracle about those moments? When you are stepping into someone else's stuff and you are being a position of hope for them where you bring Jesus into the mix and allow yourself to be that bridge for them to experience hope, I bet you don't think about your struggle one moment. What an amazing thing that God has orchestrated for us as believers. I don't know if you've ever looked at it that way, but that moment where you're stepping into someone else's moment and you are bringing hope out through Christ to them, does that feel like a breath to you? Does that feel like a window opening to you? I bet you walk away or you drive away with a different feeling in your spirit than when you first encountered that child of God. That is my prayer for you today. We're not going to be long. But Jesus is our hope. Let's take him with us. Let's share him. And may this Advent season be a season of hope in your life. May we bring hope out in one another as we wait for our Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, you see us. There is not a moment, there is not a thought, there is nothing that we experience that you do not know intimately, God. There's such freedom in that. No matter what it is that we have inside, God, we can speak it to you freely. 
because you already know. And you've walked behind us, you've walked beside us, and you are already walking before us. And just as Pastor Chase said a few weeks ago, you already know us 20, 40, 50 years from now, God. You know us then, and you know us now. What a beautiful joy and freedom to be able to come to you with what's on our heart now, knowing that you already know the answer. What beautiful reassurance in our moments, God. I ask that if you continue to walk with us even today, that you remind us to look with joyful anticipation and hope as we wait for your second coming, Lord. Jesus, we give you this day. We give you all of ourselves, God. And we pray that as you fill us with hope, that we will go on to bring you honor and glory in this Advent season. In Jesus' name, amen.